It's your life. It's your life. It's your life. I'm Sade. Welcome to It's Your Life, where amazing things happen only if you let them. In this podcast, I speak to millennials like myself, young people who are still figuring out their lives while also obsessively planning the next steps. Tune in now. Welcome back to the series of Millennial Mindset of Season 2 of It's Your Life. Today, I'll be interviewing another booming and bicultural millennial, Baltazar. Baltazar is a young Mexican-American from Chandler, Arizona, who recently graduated in 2016 from the Arizona State University with a degree in public policy. A well-accomplished millennial, doing his undergraduate experience, he completed the Public Policy and International Affairs Junior Summer Institute at Princeton University, where he conducted research on Latin American drug policy control and interned at the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute. Balta is also multilingual, having learned Russian and visited Vladimir, Russia as a critical language scholar through the U.S. Department of State, where he's currently an alumni ambassador. Balta was recently named a 2018 Aspen Security Forum Scholar. He's currently fully employed at the Center for Latinx and American politics and center on the future of war. When he's not at work and juggling a million things, he's a part-time student earning a certificate in business analytics. He's an active mentor and avid reader, and Balta's a strong diversity and inclusion leader. Balta, welcome to my podcast. Thank you for having me today. I'm so excited to actually sort of get this started. So we've actually known each other not even before so we actually did the same program and I had an opportunity at Princeton that I spoke about earlier but we actually met in the fall of 2014 yes this was um, in Bloomington Indiana of all places <laughs> of all places yes yeah um so during the fall of 2014 is when we both had the opportunity to attend mm-hmm. this moving the world forward conference mm-hmm. in Indiana University at Indiana University and there I got to meet a lot of really well like accomplished mm-hmm. um, young people yeah. uh, who were really striving to pursue a career in public service. Mm-hmm. And there we had the chance to participate in a multitude of sessions, uh, kind of figure out like what each other's career aspirations were mm-hmm. and how a career in public policy would fit for each of all of us. And you know what's funny is that since that conference, I have still kept in touch with so many sort of linkages that we've met from that conference, like, and it's, it's, I feel like it's been sort of like a degree of separation, like four degrees of separation where like, I've still known someone that's known someone from that conference or like, I'm actually still in touch with people from that, um, or they've come to live near me or we work together or we do things together and stuff like that. So I think that's really interesting. Right. Um, I think for me, that was my first time getting to travel out of Arizona for a conference. Wow. Um, It was a national conference. Yeah. Yeah. Attendees came from all parts of the country. Yeah, that's true. I think there were also also some international students there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So really it kind of exposed me to people from other universities, from uh, various degrees and field programs and everything so it was kind of cool to um first of all establish that national and international network of young scholars um working on a variety of different things um so i I definitely kept in contact with 
the connections that I made at that conference. Yeah, definitely. I would say same. And it wouldn't be, you know, from us meeting in 2014, it wouldn't be until, I think, 2016 Mm -hmm. that we met again at the Princeton Junior Summer Institute, where we got to do all this research and learn about graduate school and things like that. Um, And since then, we've just sort of kept in touch. Um, So I'm actually currently in Chandler, Arizona, visiting Balta. Um, So I obviously I'm working in D.C., but I'm temporarily in Texas for like a month. And I was like, Balta, like, I just want to come to Phoenix. Like, are you down? And he's like, I will host you everything. His mom picked me up from the airport. It's just been a great time. And I think Shade's been handling (laughs) it like a champion. Um, (laughs) The champion that she is, because not any regular person would come to Phoenix in the summer. Summer when it's blazing. It's 106 degrees out right now. Um, and so for somebody from the East Coast who's probably not used to these extreme heat temperatures, yeah. um, no, I, I commend you for, for coming out Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely dry heat, so just be mindful. You might want to come in like a winter or something, but you'll still enjoy it nonetheless. Yeah, protect your skin. <laughs> exactly. I know that, you know, I just told the listeners just sort of a little bit about you, but, you know, for those that maybe don't know your stories intimately um i'm sort of curious like you know when how would you describe your undergraduate experience and maybe capping it off to two to three words and how do you still remain inspired you know from that experience into now into the postgraduate life right so the way i would sort of capture my undergrad experience Mm -hmm. i would say i was always mission driven Mm -hmm. and i was really driven by my own personal experiences and that was really sort of the impetus for me wanting to do well in school uh wanting to pursue a career in public policy and in public service yeah um and i would say it started early on in high school i Mm -hmm. guess the seeds were planted then Mm -hmm. um while i was in high school i was really involved with my local community Mm -hmm. um i would tutor after school Mm -hmm. and I was a part of multiple different community service projects. Mm -hmm. Um, I was helping out with uh, registering young voters Mm -hmm. across the East Valley here in Arizona and um, really that sort of sparked my interest in politics so I that's really what made me choose public policy as a degree. I got myself maybe working on the more legislative side of things in the future. Yeah. Um, Not so much anymore, but um, I would say definitely getting involved at a young age, Mm -hmm. that sort of civic mindset that was imparted on me by um, older activists and people involved in the community really encouraged me to pursue higher education. And it was through higher education that I was able to have uh, many exciting internship opportunities and where I was really able to expand my horizons. For those that don't know, Arizona State University is a huge, huge population. Yeah, I would say like our enrollments continue to maximize every single year. Yeah, definitely. On the Tempe campus alone, uh, so there's four different campuses Mm -hmm. for Arizona State University. Right now, our enrollment's probably up in the 90,000s. Oh my god, okay, I was way off. That, so (laughs) for those that maybe are sort of intimidated by such a huge camp, like how did you manage to even get all these opportunities and even sort of navigate that space because I'm my school I was like okay 30,000 like 33 like that's big but I was still able to sort of finesse it but you're talking 90 you know how are you able to still build your own community and sort of expand on that network after graduation Right. So I would say definitely when you're in in, in a university this large you kind of feel shrunken down 
really, um, it's you that has to take the initiative to seek out opportunities, uh, to really um, maximize your opportunities while you're an undergrad. Uh, because I don't think um, any university that large, it's mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's that um, easy to sort of identify a person mm-hmm. or a resource on campus um, that's going to be like your advocate and like mm-hmm. some. You can, it's really hard to find those mentorships. Yeah. But I would say I received support really early on. I was a part of a summer bridge program to mm-hmm. college that sort of linked okay. me to different resources and people on campus that yeah. I should know. Yeah. And I think really um, having that exposure early on. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of um, taught me like where to find resources, yeah. um, how to make friends and how to make um, uh, strong connections and strong professional connections yeah. uh, for the career that I want to pursue. Yeah. Yeah. So it was sort of like a pipeline from high school to college and being able to sort of help guide you throughout that steps and those processes. Right. So I participated in a summer bridge program called Latinos Interested in Networking and Knowledge. That was facilitated by um, basically... Um, Arizona State University students, mm-hmm. um, most of whom were Latino, okay. um, were involved in mentoring us incoming freshmen. Okay. And they set us up um, with several different workshop sessions mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. helped us navigate financial aid, helped wow. us to navigate um, applying for internships and uh, even seeking out study abroad opportunity. Wow. Having that mentorship from people who resemble us and who yeah. have similar experiences mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. was really helpful in that transition to college. Yeah. I think we sort of talked about this earlier, but apart from having that mentorship going into college and sort of navigating that process, did you have people in your life that had, were you the first to go to college or how was that? I remember you sort of talked about your mother going to college at a later age. Like if you can sort of talk more about that and what that experience was like. Right. And when usually when I'm asked, um, like, do I identify as first generation college mm-hmm. student? Mm-hmm. I, I struggle with that identity because, um, like you mentioned, like I had mentioned earlier, um, my mother went to college um, later in her life. Mm-hmm. And I felt like because she didn't have that traditional pathway to college, mm-hmm. um, I felt like maybe I didn't have like all of the resources mm. to sort of navigate that journey yeah. Yeah. in applying to college and yeah. getting into college and finding scholarships yeah. and um, I guess having that college experience where I get to like live on campus mm-hmm. and uh, thrive those four years of undergrad. Yeah. So for her, because her process wasn't as linear, um, she was she was the first person in her family to go to college. Mm-hmm. And uh, she actually graduated from college the same year I graduated from high school. Wow. And so while I was, like, wow. figuring things out about yeah. like, where I want to go to college, yeah. Um, yeah. she was, like, sort of uh, supervising, like, I guess, my process. Yeah. Uh, but I would say it was definitely institutional support for my high school and mm-hmm. mentors that I had in high school Yeah. who were really there to advocate for me and, like, pushing me to go to college because they were my recommenders for different opportunities. Um, Whereas my mother, who didn't have that traditional pathway to college, didn't really go about it the same way that I did. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, I struggled with that identity because my mother did go to college later on in life. Right. But, like, you still didn't benefit from having the institutional knowledge, like, when you were younger, when you were a kid, like... I remember I actually took my little sisters to a college tour in D.C. We were at Georgetown University, and there was, like, 
um, there was a mom, there was a mom, dad, and like a child, and she was like, I think in high school or something, and there was one in middle school, and they're like, oh yeah, we've been touring colleges ever since they were young, and like just sort of getting them into the flow of things, and I'm just like, wow, like <laughs> I, I don't, I think there's such a benefit to knowing from such a young age that that is what your pathway is like and having parents that have already gone through that process. And so I think the resources and the things that you're exposed to, it's so different than, you know, when your parents are later on in life where it's like, they can still be helpful and you definitely see the realized effects of like income and wealth and whatever that comes from having a college degree, but it's a little bit different. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah, and that's why I feel like, um, in many ways, I do connect with people who are first generation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think our struggles are definitely shared. Because, like, I definitely had very limited social capital. Yeah. And um, I didn't know a lot of people who had graduated from college. Yeah. And neither did my mom. Same. Yeah, um, yeah. And so it was really hard to even navigate applying to a public university, mm-hmm. um, figuring out how I was going to pay for school, mm-hmm. if I was going to have enough money to live on campus my right. first year. Right. And just dealing with all of those different challenges um, when transitioning into higher education. But here you are, like, yeah. thriving, uh, <laughs> thriving, you know. Right, and I think Not, yeah. it's important to focus on mentorship. Yeah. I'm grateful that through the scholarship programs that mm-hmm. I participated in, uh, those scholarship programs usually came with a mentorship component. Mm. And so I was always paired with somebody who could really vouch for me and who could meet with me uh, throughout um, the academic year to Mm -hmm. really monitor my progress to make sure that I was um, meeting the GPA requirements for the scholarship program, uh, making sure that I was on track because I did not have a good first semester of college. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Actually, my GPA sank my first first semester of college. I took uh, an introductory biology class which was one of my science, science were you, requirements. Okay, I was like, were you pre-med at one point? Like, what? No, this was yeah. like a requirement right, uh, for my right. degree program. Yeah. And so I, I I ended up getting a D in that course. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And that just sank my GPA yeah. really low. It yeah. was my first semester. I didn't have a GPA. So right. When, so you're like building up from nothing. And it's yeah. like, how do I? Yeah. yeah. So it was really hard to recover from that. Yeah. But I think it was because of the mentorship that I had received. Mm. Um, my mentors, my mentor was really um, pushing me to raise that GPA by mm-hmm. my second semester. Mm-hmm. So I took classes that um, were required from a major, but yeah. I kind of figured out a schedule that mm-hmm. would... Um, sort of a line and my mentor met with me she was like here write down this list of goals about how you're going to plan to increase your GPA Hmm. Um, you need to renew this scholarship and in order Hmm. to renew this scholarship you have to have above a 3.2 GPA yeah yeah And so how are you going to recover from this um, yeah D that's real right that's real and so the next semester I really had to work on excelling in my coursework so that required me to um really just changed how I was studying, mm-hmm. um, really had me focus on um, meeting with my professors mm-hmm. and making sure that I would um, knock my grades out of the ballpark and um, get my GPA up yeah. by the end of uh, my first year of college yeah. so that I could renew that scholarship. Yeah, because that's like the most yeah. important, make sure that you can actually pay yeah. and you know make it through. Right. But it's like I feel like it's in those lessons that we – we yield so much growth from those experiences and being able to, I, I feel like it's so important to fail and fail fast. Like, yes. you know, like yes. make those mistakes so early on because yes. 
that's the only way you're going to be like that process improvement. That's the only way that you're going to keep getting better and better. I and think reiterating. that's important to talk yeah. about like those failures. Oh yeah. And, like, those, oh like, yeah. Um, those bumps in the road that you hit in college, mm-hmm. like there were study abroad programs that I didn't pursue because I just wasn't prepared to study mm. abroad. I started an application. Yeah. I did not submit it because mm. I just was not prepared. I didn't know how to apply for a passport. Mm. I yeah. missed all of these steps along yeah. the way. And yeah. I really ha- didn't have guidance to sort yeah. of push me in that direction. Right. Like following through with those opportunities. Right, right. Um, another instance I can think of where I encountered setbacks in college um, but I think what you just touched on was something that I do want listeners to key in on is that you said when you want to be somewhere, but you're not exactly prepared, like you don't have all of your ducks in a row. Do you have any other thoughts to sort of share on that when you feel like you are ready for this position or you feel like you're ready for this next step or this opportunity, but you need to sort of, you need to be real with yourself and be like, I don't even have, you know, what I need to do to get there. Or if I'm going to be put in that situation, I'm not going to be performing at the best. Or I'm not going to maximize an opportunity because I'm just not ready, you know? And that's like something that you have to be very real with yourself, just like how you were with that opportunity. But are there any, um, maybe not other experiences, but any lessons that you can pull from that? Or how is it to sort of be patient when, you feel like you're ready for something, but you're looking realistically and like, hey, like, maybe it's a good idea that that didn't happen. Right. I think um, when I think it's important to keep in mind that uh, when you're in college, I feel like nothing's ever given to you. You kind of have yeah. to really in life. Um, yeah. Work for it. Yeah. And um, I because you're starting off basically at nothing. Yeah. When you're a freshman, you kind of have a clean slate. Mm-hmm. Um you don't have a resume that's rich with experience. Yeah. So yeah. really like navigating your first like job in college mm-hmm. is like a whole process in itself. Yeah. And so I think it takes a lot of belief in oneself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. especially in the face of um, constant pressures yeah. um, to like excel and yeah. um, be the best in mm-hmm. college. Um, it can be easy to fall into like that unbelief and yeah. like, not sort of, um, feeling like, like you're truly like um, not feeling that you're necessarily worthy of opportunities, mm-hmm. but um, sometimes you feel like, oh, like my res, you kind of start to compare yourself to other people yeah. and like, oh, I don't have this experience. Yeah. I should probably shouldn't apply for this. Yeah. Or, yeah. So you, there's like this self doubt. Yeah. There's like this sort of feeling of incompetence sometimes. Yeah. Um, I know I had those those sorts of feelings Mm -hmm. um, when I was applying for my first job Mm -hmm. on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just running into those sorts of things Mm -hmm. where it is a process and it takes um, applying first of all. So I think it takes a lot of courage from individuals to um, look into these opportunities first of all, to make that search, to identify an opportunity that you want to seek um, and that you want to apply for. Mm. Uh, so it's important to identify opportunities early on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can... And reach out to others and being vocal about, you know, what it is. Like, because I felt... I Something that I realized, you know, post-graduate is that in the, in the real world, quote unquote, when you're in the workforce or whatever it is, um, you have to raise your hand. You have to advocate for yourself because right. no one's going to be checking in on you and saying like, oh, hey, like... 
what are your specific interests or hey like what opportunities are you looking for it's going to be up to you to be like i'm looking for x y and z and i need this or i have this timeline or i want to specialize in these skills or i want to be exposed to these areas and it's so much of advocating for yourself and just being honest and vocal and i think in that sense i've learned to be so aggressive <laughs> with, with being vocal <laughs> and so aggressive with my goals and things like that or just asking you know like hey i'm interested in this conference will you be able to fund this or can i find um um, funding or can I be reimbursed and when I'm, I'm talking specifically at my firm and my company mm -hmm. um, but I think any of the opportunities that I have had thus far are a result of me just asking around and right. advocating and you know being able to be honest with what I'm interested in because if you don't who will right, right. there's very few opportunities where there's gonna be that one person dedicated to your success or that one person who they can only do so as much as you are willing to be vocal about it mm -hmm. um, because that's one thing I felt like was very different from college where I felt like you have all these opportunities that are like we need students we need this we need that you know funding whatever right. and then when you're out into when you're graduated it's like very much up to you to find those things and create those opportunities and create um, that you know that world for yourself yes. um, compared to previous experiences yes I would agree um, I think it takes a lot of us being really audacious and, yeah yeah. Uh, going after these opportunities. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think it takes um, people who are really extremely motivated, who are yeah. proactive about these things. Oh, yeah. Um, who really um, don't, I guess, it's important to think ahead, mm -hmm. but also um, don't think of failure. Like That's not, like, the, yeah. the main thing here. It's, yeah. like, definitely applying to these things, having um, belief in yourself, and when these opportunities do arise, like they're so mm -hmm. limited, like yeah. you can't let these opportunities slip by. No. So I think for me, it was important to stay organized on yeah. deadlines and mm -hmm. um, application processes, making mm -hmm. sure that I had recommendation letters in on time mm -hmm. and um, meeting with appropriate individuals who could read my essays, who could um, really just advocate for me if I knew somebody who had gone through this um opportunity before mm -hmm. then I'd meet with them or at least have a phone chat with them and sort of um, I guess speak um, about these things together to sort of yeah. figure out if this is the kind of opportunity that I want to pursue yeah. in the first place yeah definitely yeah. having those people in your corner is gonna it's important all throughout yeah. different life stages yeah so shifting gears a bit in one of my last episodes I talked about you know the post-grad blues and sort of the post-grad depression that happens after having such a big supportive community when you're in college and university and you know sort of transitioning out where you have friends moving all over the country all over the world and pursuing other opportunities and it's kind of like sort of rebuilding that community that you have um, did you even experience that what was that what was that transition like for you after graduating and going into other opportunities. Because right. I know that you also moved across the country. He was, Baltimore was in DC with me all, and then he came <laughs> back. But, you know, like, what was that experience like and, you know, that transition for you? Right. So I, I would say I definitely uh, experienced the post grad blues. Mm -hmm. um, so during my final semester of college, I was obviously applying to various fellowship programs. Yeah. And I was really just trying to set up my gap year or gap mm -hmm. years. Mm hmm. And so it turns out... I was Gap years in between undergrad and graduate school. Yes. Okay. So I wanted to work, get some more life experience before yeah. I applied to grad school. Yeah. And in that process, I received 
several rejections. Yeah. I was waitlisted, so yeah. as an alternate. Yeah. And it just wasn't going my way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I was lucky in that um, during my final semester of college, I started this uh, year-long AmeriCorps program. Mm -hmm. So I graduated in a, during the fall semester of yeah. 2016. So I started this um, uh, this apprenticeship program, mm. from, which ran from September yeah. uh, to May. So it kind of gave me some leeway to think about my next steps. Yeah, yeah. So it kept uh, it really kept me busy. Mm -hmm. I was getting some really valuable experience, mm -hmm. making tons of connections yeah. locally in the nonprofit sector. Yeah. And so this is the Public Allies program. Mm -hmm. It's an AmeriCorps program. Yeah. It's a national program uh, funded by the Corporation for National and Community Service. Okay. And for nine months, um, as apprentices in nonprofit organizations, mm -hmm. we're um, there to help build capacity in nonprofit organizations. And so we have job titles, we're mm -hmm. treated as employees, okay. and we're involved with several community service activities during our nine-month term. Yeah. And so that kept me busy after graduation up mm -hmm. until May. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say during uh, those last few months of my apprenticeship program, I was um, looking at what my next steps were going to be Yeah. Um, since it did come to a close like very early on. Mm. So I was mm. like... Um, Am I going to save? Am I going to like move out of the house? Like yeah. move out of the state? Yeah. Because um, at that point, I was thinking, I, I after this apprenticeship program, when I've learned these new skills, made these connections, mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to seek um, full-time employment mm -hmm. um, at a company or an organization of some sort. Yeah. And at that point, I would say I was really interested in working in policy research yeah. or... Um, things of that sort. So yeah. I looked locally at like local government opportunities, um, but I also looked nationally. So I was applying to other programs. Yeah. And so during that semester, I applied to several different opportunities, mm -hmm. and I was notified in March of 2017 mm -hmm. that I was awarded the Critical Language Scholarship Program. Yeah. So after directly after my apprenticeship program, I had the opportunity, and I took this opportunity to study abroad in Russia for two months. So I just want to yeah. just get this straight because yeah. I remember like yeah. when we were at the summer program in Princeton so many years ago, yeah. um, Balta was like, yeah, I study Russian. And I was like, have you ever been? And he was like, no. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, I don't know how many years you'd been yeah. studying Russian for that time. Right. Um, it was two years. Two years. Yeah. And I was like, you've never been. What do you mean? And then this opportunity comes almost at the perfect time. Right. And so so, like, you being a finally able to go and, you know, right. speak the language, experience the culture that you had studied so much about, I know that was such a fulfilling experience for you. It was a fulfilling experience, definitely. And I want to sort of rewind a little bit mm -hmm. because there was another major opportunity that came into my life. Mm. Um, so there's this um, it's a State Department-funded program yeah. called the Congress Bundestag Youth Exchange. Ah. And... They, well, I flew out to Los Angeles to interview for this opportunity. Oh, wow. I was selected as one of the semi-finalists. Oh, wow. Okay. And so after interviewing in Los Angeles, I felt like I was really competitive. Like yeah. I was going to move on and yeah. be selected. Yeah. And I ended up being selected as an alternate. So if oh. I wanted if I wanted to continue waiting, like, yeah. I could receive a later notification possibly offering me a position in the program. Yeah. And this, the program was this based was, where? In this Russia program also? was or? based in Germany. In Germany. Okay. And in Germany, I was hoping to work in like refugee resettlement right. or integration programs okay. in Germany. 
And so this was, I guess, in direct competition with the Critical Language Scholarship yeah, offer, in Russia. which right. obviously is a shorter length program yeah. and has its own benefits. Um, right. Versus the critical or versus the Congress Bundestag Youth Exchange mm-hmm. program, and so at that point I kind of just had to uh, be like realistic with myself. Yeah. Like, am I going to accept this opportunity mm-hmm. to study in Russia mm-hmm. uh, for two months mm-hmm. over waiting to ma- waiting for the possibility to be moved from alternate to finalist? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I ended up just declining. I think those decisions, like you come to learn about, like. Um, I guess just sort of what you value in opportunities yeah. and sort of what you see in yourself. Definitely. And now that I reflect on it, like I'm really glad I did not choose to mm, wait and like maybe yeah. be promoted to yeah. finalist because I think studying or living in Germany for a year would have changed and altered my trajectory mm. in other ways that I don't even think about. Yeah. So yeah. I think sometimes it takes learning that opportunities aren't for you. Yeah. And um, that's real. That's real. And yeah. um, maybe seeing rejections as a positive thing. Oh, so, oh my God. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm really grateful, actually, sometimes that I wasn't selected for this opportunity. Yeah. And that another person was. Yeah. Um, and so I think that takes a lot of resolve. And, oh, yeah. Um, and honesty. And honesty. I, I really like what you said about understanding that sometimes some opportunities are not for you because sometimes it just feels like, oh, because I got an opportunity, this means I have to take it. Or this means that it's meant for me. And I think it takes so much honesty and being real with yourself and being critical and saying, okay, realistically, is this something that's really meant for me? Is this along the path that I want to take? Is this something that I should just take a chance on? You know, having those conversations with yourself because just because it's presented to you doesn't mean that it's all the time like what is supposed to happen or, you know, whatever. And rejections are such a blessing because I think about all the rejections I've had in my life and I'm like, I'm so glad that did not work out because (laughs) here I am in XYZ in this position or doing this or having that experience and all of that. So Yes. And so... I like I decided to go and study abroad in Russia, yeah. which was one of the best experiences ever. Yeah, <laughs> that summer really allowed me to think of other things that were uh-huh. related to my career. Oh yeah. So it was nice yeah. to get to learn the language mm-hmm. and to get to meet other people who were interested in Russia and yeah. Russian language learning. Mm-hmm. And so during that summer, I was applying to other opportunities to yeah. sort of um, get some more professional work experience. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up applying for and being offered a fellowship in D.C. for mm-hmm. the fall of 2017. Mm-hmm. And I took it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so five days after, um, so I returned to Arizona yeah. after Russia. Yeah. And I, five days later, I packed up my bags and went to D.C. What? So was, I did not know the turnaround was that quick. It was very quick. Oh, I, my God. And then I did not feel prepared at all. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I did not have a lot of savings. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I mean, the program was flying me out to D.C. Right, but right. providing me with very, like, basic yeah. necessities. Yeah, yeah. Like, lodging. Right, and, right. I didn't even have a transportation subsidy or anything. Yeah, wow. And so and I would say I struggled like, yeah, during yeah. that transition. Uh-huh. Um, not only was I homesick, I was yeah. barely home for that latter part of right. 2017. Right. Um, but I was also in D.C. Um, dealing with, like, such a 
work-life imbalance. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was busy all the time, commuting, yeah. Yeah. working. And that adds up to the time and you're, that and you're not at home relaxing. It was stressful. Or... Um, the fall was really cold for me. Yeah. I didn't have a... It was like a very character-building fall for me, I oh, would say. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, while I was in D.C., I was looking for other entry-level opportunities as mm-hmm. well. So kind mm-hmm. of just taking these different steps to get me um, in that direction of an entry-level career Mm -hmm. and I would say like your gap year is what you make of it yeah um it's not going to be the most pretty most Mm -hmm. linear path not really yeah um like for me I'm grateful that I've had a trajectory that was um pretty consistent like I Mm -hmm. had one opportunity after another yeah and so I was busy yeah I never really had gaps in like employment or studying Mm -hmm. or, or studying yeah. So I think it's important to just seek on opportunities, making sure that um, you're being occupied with something that's going to get you to the next step. Definitely. Um, Definitely. It doesn't matter if that's a paid or unpaid opportunity, although yeah. it's important to yes. um, it is important get to, paid work experience. Yeah, yeah um, and not sell yourself short. Yeah, yeah. because I, I'll tell you, um, while I did receive um, an allowance to mm-hmm. live in mm-hmm. D.C., I, I struggled a lot that fall. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it was, it was definitely difficult yeah. for those, like, a little bit more than three months that I was there in the fall. Yeah. Um, trying to get by. Yeah, <laughs> really, just getting by. Yeah. yeah. And I think about that a lot of, like, what is the difference between surviving and thriving, where yeah. it's like, okay, I'm just making it. And there's going to be, I feel, personally, I feel like there's going to be times in your life where you just need to survive, and it's just, like, these short phases. But personally, I'm like, okay, how, what is the what are the trade-offs for this and mm-hmm. I do want to say that yes I am surviving but am I thriving in this experience am I still making sure that I'm taking my time for myself am I still making sure that I am still fully immersed in this experience because if it, if it's not what is the benefit for me you know like what is the point of just surviving because I don't think that struggling all the time it's never fun no. I don't think it's like this rite of passage that like oh no. we have to like struggle like so I've per- I have struggled enough <laughs> in my personal life like growing yes. up and like different trials yes. and tribulations and everything like I have struggled enough where yes. I feel like there it can't be like that all the time in my professional life as well right. <laughs> growing up <Right>. like <laughs> yes um and so in this experience like yeah. i was busy this entire year i yeah. went from an apprenticeship program to studying abroad mm-hmm. to summer or to a fall fellowship program mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so these back-to-back opportunities i think i really um valued this more than like one single opportunity yeah it really exposed me to different areas that i was interested in yeah and i kind of got to i guess piece together like um pieces of the puzzle of like mm-hmm. um i guess i kind of wanted as much exposure to my um different professional and personal interests yeah um so that i could make concrete decisions about where um i want to go to grad school yeah. and what it is that i want to um study in grad school yeah and i think now that I think about it, um, I, I am interested in um, I'm interested in international affairs mm-hmm. and uh, exploring the world mm-hmm. and using mm-hmm. my language skills and my multiculturalism mm-hmm. um, to boost relations with people of other countries. And mm-hmm. um, so I really enjoy and I really um, see the importance of engaging mm-hmm. um, as a person of color as 
um, multicultural, multilingual millennial mm -hmm. to go out and strive to create healthful relationships with people. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, and so I think we, in our previous conversations over the weekend, we sort of talked about this, but mm -hmm. in your own words, how would you define resiliency? Like, how would you sort of put that or cap that off? And whether it's in relation to your own life experiences or in general, or tips for our listeners in defining resiliency and how to maintain that, um, throughout the different stages of life. Right. I think it's important to, I think... Stay hungry, first of all. Oh, yeah. Um, so you're going to receive rejections. Mm -hmm. You're going to hit bumps in the road. Yeah. Um, college is difficult, and you should be proud that you do make it to college mm -hmm. and that you're there. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to also uh, strive to thrive, in, yeah. I guess, in a way. Yeah. Um, but the way that I would describe resiliency... Mm-hmm. Um, in my own words, I think resiliency is, I think, just really being, um, resiliency for me mm -hmm. is um, confronting challenges head on, mm. um, really, like, dealing with those challenges and those struggles, mm -hmm. um, being open about them, mm -hmm. and I think... Um, brushing these struggles under the rug isn't going to help you to yeah. further yourself. Yeah. And I think it's important to always focus on, like, your personal development. Yeah. Uh, but also um, balance that with, like, your professional development. Yeah. And, Absolutely. Um, right, because it's not all, like, professional, professional, work, 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 degrees, certificates, you know, like, I need to move up the ladder or whatever. It's not, it can't be like that all the time. Mm -hmm. You still have to thrive to strive for in something else in your personal life, whether it's um, enhancing relationships in your life or being able to cultivate um, those warm and intimate spaces within your family or friendships that it can't be just always one or the other. It has to be right. a, a good mix of the two or the three or, you know, the different dimensions in your life. Yeah, and I think when I think of resiliency, I yeah. think of just my family and yeah. sort of their sacrifices to mm. really see me grow and uh, develop through college and, like, my college education, my college years. Yeah. Um, so my father, for example, did not um, – he didn't really have a formal education. Mm -hmm. um, he left Mexico early in his life mm -hmm. and came really just to work mm. in the United States. Yeah. And my mother, she didn't go to college. Um, she was actually a teen mom. And yeah. She was able to graduate high school, but didn't really have opportunities to pursue higher education. Yeah. Um, until later on. Until later on in her yeah. life. Yeah. And so I just see a lot of, like, their struggles, but mm -hmm. also, like, uh, the sacrifices that they had to uh, make uh, mm -hmm. in order to see their children have um, more prosperous outcomes than mm -hmm. they did. Um, mm -hmm. And I think... Um, yeah, I think it's important to always stay, like, rooted um, mm -hmm. in those family sacrifices and in your family history um, mm -hmm. to sort of see where you're going. Um, I When I think of it, it's just, it's just like a generation ago. Um, yeah. The, like, poverty and, like, um, yeah, just like the poverty that my, my dad had to flee from in Mexico yeah. to get to the United States. Yeah. Um, 
and just like the experiences that I've had being able to travel mm. being able to uh, meet people yeah. and from across the country yeah. and um, and so he left like a very rural part of Mexico mm-hmm. and just for me to be able to have a college education and um, just exposure to so many things that he never had the opportunity to do so mm. it's really enriching and also um, makes me really grateful and um, I always I sort of see um, resiliency connected to um, those things that my parents had to do to get me to this place yeah Yeah. and that is not that is an acknowledgement of that but it's not in an absence of your own Mm -hmm. you know strides that you've had Mm -hmm. to make and the preparation that has gone into it because we had this discussion again yesterday Mm -hmm. where we're talking about when people say that oh you're so lucky you know that you get to study here and you get to travel there and you know you've done all these fellowships and scholarships and you know whatever and it's like yes all that has happened but preparation has been preparation is where opportunity meets and that's how luck happens so it's like being able to rebuff those you know questions or remarks and things like that right and i get that a lot from family members Um, yeah at least my mom gets that she's like wow your son's so lucky to Mm -hmm. have these incredible opportunities like he's always doing all these great things yeah yeah but my mom like she's always thinking like no it's not luck yeah (laughs) um it's hours of preparation it's great um, yeah a lot of grit yeah just like yeah, you really have to be prepared for these things. Yeah. And without that preparation, without the familial support, mm-hmm. the support networks, mm-hmm. um, I definitely could not have been as strong or as resilient to um, seek these opportunities. And, um, yeah, I, I would say it takes a lot of uh, gumption to, um, especially coming from the place that I come from, mm-hmm. to move forward. Yeah. And be audacious in that pursuit so yeah amazing amazing this i hope listeners that this podcast this episode has been just as inspirational and fulfilling um as it has been for me just sitting here with baltazar and just being able to listen and uh jump off ideas so baltazar is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with um or even drop your social handles to see what you can follow or you know things like Um, that yeah so i tweet at B Hernandez info. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of just share a lot of news, some some of my thoughts about like current events. Nice. Um, and sometimes I blog. Um, so I currently have a platform on ASU Now News. So mm-hmm. I write for ASU. Okay. Um, previously, I wrote for Huffington Post. So nice. I have an article or two on there. So yeah. Um, yeah. So catch me um, expressing my thoughts. Uh, on these various media. So, nice. Yeah. Thank you again. Um, <laughs> and I'm so looking forward to have you listeners tune in to yet another episode of this series for the season of Millennial Mindset. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the newest season of It's Your Life. Don't forget to comment, subscribe, and share with others. And always remember, it's your life.